0: So, welcome to the first message in this series that we're going to begin, that we're calling Beyond Survival. And this series is about money. Bunch of you just puckered up right there. What I want to do is I want to help you understand money from a biblical mindset, okay? Now, I want to go ahead and start off by kind of setting some of your minds at ease. We've already received the offering, okay so preachers usually when they teach about money this is the message you should give it and that although generosity it is a it is an important part of the bible and it does show our heart i believe that as the as the church at least here in america we've actually been robbed a little bit that that's the only message about money that we've received i'm going to go into a little bit of that detail as we go forward but there is no secret and i'm going to go ahead and Talk about the elephant in the room Which is that there have been excesses With preachers talking about money Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's even been coined the prosperity gospel And so the idea, I looked up the prosperity gospel And the definition, uh, I, I just wanted to know What is the perception? And it is basically that God wants everybody to be rich So that we can all have lots of stuff and I think that um, there is truth that God does want us to be successful at everything we endeavor that he gives, gives us, that he wants us to be overcomers. You can't read the Bible without seeing that. I'm going to talk about that as well. But here's where I think that the excesses and sometimes even the abuses have come in, and that's that the truth of the gospel is that God does want us to be successful so that we can be a witness to the world. Okay? Now, I think in the very beginning, when this quote-unquote prosperity gospel first started, the issue was that within the church, there was, this, there was a poverty gospel, actually, is the other side. Everybody should be poor so that they can be humble. And the problem with that is that that's not supported in the scriptures either, anywhere. And the examples of our biblical heroes of faith, they were actually, almost all of them were very wealthy, and God didn't have any problem with that. So, what they did was, they were trying to get the poverty mentality out of the church and out of Christians, and so they began to talk about, it's okay for you to be blessed. God would like, want you to be successful in everything that you put your hand to according to his purposes, and that was true. But I believe the next step in that is, okay, so now that you can believe that you should be successful, and that it's not a sin. To be to have more than enough or even to be wealthy as many of the bible heroes were but now that is so that you can be an example to the world around you so that you can meet the needs of those that are in in need that you can be the generous to the world so that you can affect the world with the gospel but here's what i think happened i think it got stalled somewhere At some point, it it got to where God wants you to have enough and have more than enough and be successful. And then the so then that you can seem to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And so then the excesses began. And then the abuses began. And no doubt there have been excesses and abuses. The top, listen to this, the top 1% in the United States makes over 400,000, a little over 400,000 a year. That's the top 1% in America. It's very easy to look at that, especially if that was a Christian or, God forbid, a preacher. It's very easy to look at that and say, "God, they should give a bunch of that away and even out the playing field for everybody. And so they should not be that prosperous. And as much as there have been excesses in those things, but what's good for the goose is good for the gander because watch this. On the whole planet, you're in the one top the top 1% of the whole planet if your household makes $35,000 a year or more. So anybody making $35,000 or more should even out the playing field and send all your money to other countries. But listen, I'm not here to judge anybody and say this preacher's right and that preacher's wrong or anything like that. And I agree, there have been excesses. You're not gonna hear from me as far as where those excesses and who those uh, uh, excesses have been with, that's my, I have thoughts, but I'm not God or anybody's judge. But here's the thing is you can't throw the Bible out with the bathwater. There are a lot of things in the Bible about money, and it's not just you should give it. And, and there are a lot, a lot of those excessive preachers are like, hey, you, you know, the way to get wealth is to give money. And by the way, give it to me. I'm sorry if I'm addressing the elephant in the room and making people feel uncomfortable, but many of us have thought that. Yes, if you give, you will receive, but this message is not about generosity or, or giving. And look, I'm, we're not gonna take up another offering. We're not in a building fund. I'm not buying a plane. None of that, all right? But the truth is most of us are not strangers to financial issues, when I grew up, there were six of us total in the house, four kids, and we all grew up in a house that was 1,000 square foot, one bathroom, no air conditioner. We had one car that ran most of the time. My, both my parents worked multiple jobs just to support us and to make ends meet. So I understand firsthand money issues and stresses, and I can understand Also, that it can also be this sensitive and controversial subject as well. Statistics say four out of five adults in America have been faced with some type of financial insecurity within their life, meaning that 80% of us have actually felt some type of anxiety or concern about money, at least some point during our life. And this is a very important subject because it affects us. Could be you've lost your job maybe you're living on an income that's not sufficient maybe near or below the poverty level or it could be that we're some of us are even reliant on you know somebody else's generosity or government assistance and there's no shame in that but we're not just talking about lower or lower middle class a lot of times we think about people that deal with model, uh, money issues are in that class The truth is that you can look at other people's lives and it looks really good from where you're at. Nice car, nice clothes, nice house, but the debt issues are overwhelming and crushing. And sometimes even when we obtain that that sense of freedom or accomplishment or security, a lot of times we become worried about, is this permanent? Is this going to stay? Am I going to lose that? So money is a big deal to all of us. Let's look at some statistics. 76% 76% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, no savings. 19% have zero saved to cover any in emergencies. 31% have at least $500, but only $500 in an emergency fund. 50%, 49% half of people are concerned about their current financial well-being. And watch this, interesting enough, low income is not always to blame for these financial hardships because only one in five people, only 20% that are facing financial hardship fall below the poverty line. A Gallup poll says also only one third of Americans, about 32, 33% of us actually maintain a household budget, proving that many of us don't know how money works. 56% 56% of millennials don't have any money saved in a retirement account. But also, 39% of both baby boomers and Gen Xers have got nothing saved for retirement. Zero. Another statistic says that two-thirds of Americans would struggle, would struggle to scrounge up $1,000 in an emergency. The average American saves less than 5% of their disposable income now my friends we've got an issue here these are some painful statistics for all of us and it might be even more painful for some of us because we recognize ourselves in some of these statistics but according to the Bible and we're going to talk about it we can discover godly wisdom because there's tons of wisdom in the Bible about money so I want to go back to the beginning of time Genesis 1, here's what God says. God created us, man, in his own image. He actually created us, male and female, and then God blessed them. Now, this is in the very beginning, okay? God blessed them, and then he said to them, after blessing them, understanding that you're blessed, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want you to fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion Over, not other people, but over everything that he made. All the stuff that he created. And when I think about that, I think about a lot of times in in my life when I've been blessed. Just to be transparent, I've struggled with the idea of being blessed. I've struggled with that. Is this, am I supposed to have this? But if I don't understand that from the beginning I was blessed, I'm not going to be Fruitful, I'm not going to be comfortable being fruitful, multiplying, and having dominion over the world that God created around me. I think we've got to reprogram ourselves with these thoughts right here. And this is the big idea for today. This is what I want you to go home with. You were created to be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. If God created man and blessed him, her, I've got to understand I've been blessed to be fruitful, multiply, and dominion. And have dominion. Because I've been called to have dominion over all the things in my world that seem to reduce and limit me. Let's look at uh, something that Paul said. And this is going to be the theme verse for this series. Okay, In 2 Corinthians, it says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that's grace. And here's the thing. You're not a special case. You may be here today, you may be listening, and you may say, you know what, I have been in poverty for years, or I've been struggling to get ahead for years, and there's no help for me. No, that doesn't apply to you, because God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that you may have all sufficiency. Now this word, sufficiency, in the Greek, it means having all things, needing nobody else to help you. That's what it means. This is God's plan for you. Then it goes on and says that you may. You, he wants you to have all sufficiency, enough and more than enough, so that you may abound in every good work. Let me ask you a question: How many of us that are in a position that no matter who comes across our path with a good work, we have the abundance to help whoever comes across our path? If not, then maybe we haven't stepped into this yet. God wants to have all grace come toward you. Why? Why all grace? So that you have everything that you need and you need no aid or benefit. And even more than enough so that you can abound in more good works. And so today, I want to talk about four myths in the, bio, or from the, in the church that, uh, that may have changed our mindset a little bit for the worse. Number one, we shouldn't talk on money. You shouldn't even be talking about this, Micah. I came to church. not I didn't come to a financial uh, financial seminar. But here's the thing. If money, if it determines where you live, it determines your future, it controls where you work, the decisions you make, why wouldn't we talk about it? Look at Proverbs 27. The Bible says the rich rule over the poor. We don't like that, but that's what it says. And the borrower is servant to the lender. In other words... If you're in a place where you're in debt, that debt is dictating the decisions that you make today. So I could pose this question. How many Christians do you believe are living under the domination of money? Money makes the decisions for them. Well, I would do that, but I can't afford it. I would love to give toward that, but I still gotta pay this. 80%, 90% are limited The good works that they want to do are limited by the not just debt or money issues, but the oppression of it And so some people have actually broken through that financial ceilings But sometimes they even make decisions based upon what they have and not necessarily what God wants them to do So whether we like it or we don't like it when we go to the scriptures Did you know there are ten times more scriptures in money and stewardship than there is even salvation? Now salvation is much more important than money no doubt, but I'm saying that it might be an important subject We might should talk about it In fact, there's ten times more scriptures on money than, and stewardship than there is on faith Pastors preach on faith way more than they do on money or stewardship Because society norma- now is, oh, let's not talk about money But the problem is we live under the servanthood of money In fact, look at Ecclesiastes. This is the wisest man on earth, Solomon, said, Feast is made for laughter, wine makes merry. Watch this. But money answers everything? That's the Bible I'm reading, people. Money answers everything. And we look at that and we just say, Well, like, look, this is Solomon in all of his wisdom saying that here in the natural world that we live in, money's got a lot more to do with our lives than we would like to think. Money says the debt, I can free you. Money says division vision in our heart, I can cause you to become my reality. Money says the need in our community, we can help you. Money says the time, I get to direct you in what God wants me to do. So, my guy, I'm not sure about this. I'm still not sure. I'm happy with where I'm at. I don't, I've got enough and I don't need anything else and I don't want any more. Well, why be so selfish? If all I'm concerned about is what I have, well, what about? The poor. What about the needy? That reflects the kingdom of God and the heart of God that wants to help those in need and change the lives of those that are around us. It's a total myth that we do not need to talk about this. Number two, you guys are awful quiet. It's okay. Relax. No more offerings. I've already said it two times. Look, I've heard this a lot of times. God is a blessing, God, but not a material. That God's blessings are not material. God's blessings are spiritual, but when you read the Bible and you can align your thinking with what God says in the word, things change. Look at this. John 10.10. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. Satan is the one that wants to steal from you. But Jesus says this. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. This word means the perfect state of living where you have need of nothing. That's the Greek word there. Wow. I think God, Jesus says, he wants this for you. Because he, when he created you, he blessed you, and he, and he called you, caused you to embrace this thinking, you're, you're fruitful, you should multiply, and you should have dominion. The word abundant, exceedingly, beyond measure, so why do we lowball our expectations of God, right? We've got a God of limitless ability that has, if, if he has touched our hearts, why don't we begin to think maybe a little bit differently that we could renew our minds that we were created to be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion? Sometimes we get such a small thought and understanding of God. But here's the thing I want you to see. God will never make you successful beyond your heart's ability to see success His way. Or you'll get greedy. Watch this again. God will never make you successful beyond your, your heart's ability to see success His way. Success isn't just about just pouring more stuff on yourself. But success is having a heart that enlarges to be in line with the blessings of God so that we can minister to people. That are in our life. And I want that level of revelation. I want that. Because look. We've all got an unlimited God. That wants to bring love within our world. But. Here's the thing. Abundance. Having more than enough. Is not just you can be blessed. So that you can have whatever you want. It's bigger than that. It's so your heart could be enlarged with the purposes and the understanding and the heart of God so that you and I can be agents on, in this world to be his hand and his feet. And then enjoy it along the way. Because generosity is fun. Proverbs 10, says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich. I looked up this word rich. It means rich. <laughs> it's material blessings. That's actually what that means. And not only that, but it says, and he adds no sorrows to it. So it's not ill-gotten. It's not contrived. I love what John Rockefeller, the famous rich guy, said. God gave me my money, and I believe the power to make money is a gift from God to be developed and used to the best of our ability for the good of man to kind. Having been endowed with the gift I possess, I believe it's my duty to make more money and still even more money To use the money that I make for the good of my fellow man, according to the dictates of my conscience. See, this is what we're talking about. That's not greed. All right, third thing. Money is evil. Well, who told you that? Money is actually not evil. Let's go to the Bible again. 1 Timothy 6 says, for the love of money. I got to have it. It's all about my security and my faith is in money for my security. I've seen people over the year, years bury themselves in the security that, mer- that money seems to bring. They've been called of God. They've got purpose on their lives. And yet they spend most of their lives actually loving and chasing after money. And that's what we call the, the love of money. That that is their driving source. That the love of the money is the root, the offsprings of all kinds of evil. For which some have actually strayed from the faith in their greediness. Some people say, well, see, money was evil. No, it's the love of money that is evil. Yeah, but, Mikey, you got to watch money because money changes people. Really? Does it? I would actually say that money amplifies people. It it amplifies you. It unmasks you. Look, if you're stingy before you had money, you're not going to be generous after you got money. I hate to tell you, if you're a jerk before you got money, you're an ultra-jerk. After you got money. It's true. So if you think you're. I'm just waiting until once I get this. Or once I get to that place. Or that level. Then I'll be generous. Probably not. We might be surprised when you get there. Statistics say. Listen to this. The more money you make. Statistically. The least percentage you give away. The least percentage you're generous. I think the more money we make. The more. The more percentage we should give because that's when you've got more disposable income So if we say once I have enough, once I have more than enough Micah, then I'll be generous Well statistics say no, you probably won't, you're fooling yourself And the reason for that is we switch from scrounging to get enough to hoarding so we don't lose what we've got. And hoarding to to make sure you don't lose what you've got is a more powerful motive for greed as opposed to just trying to survive. And what we're trying to do is get beyond survival and at the same time never let the love of money actually draw us away from the purpose that we have more than enough. See, if we don't have a heart that has God at the core, money can actually mess you up. I've seen it. But it's, money is not evil in and of itself. I love this quote. Do not value money any more or less than what it's actually worth. It's a good servant, but it's a horrible master. And that's the truth. But we've got to be careful that we don't see money as evil. Money is not evil. It's the love of money that is evil. Is that true? All right. You were created to be fruitful. You were created to multiply, and you were created to have dominion in the world that God has placed you in. So so don't say that money is evil. It's the love of money that's actually evil. 1 Timothy 6.17. Instruct those that are rich in this present world to not be conceited. Don't be snotty. Or fix your hope in the uncertainty of those riches, but on God who richly surprise, supplies us with all things to enjoy. Did you catch that? The heart of the Father, we've got to realize that we are connected with Him and it's His heart that, that we are, are, are successful. That we can, He can richly supply us. Here's the fourth one. Jesus was poor. I mean, didn't Jesus live this meager, meek kind of life? Well, compared to where he came from, heaven, yes. In heaven, they paved the roads with gold. So in that aspect, the Bible does say he became poor. He left his deity, he became poor. But by earth standards, you might say, well, Jesus was poor. Actually, he was very rich. The garment he, w- he went to Calvary on, it was so expensive. It, the Bible says it was just one piece most, most of the time, garments were patched together. It was so expensive that they cast lots for his garment. Judas was a treasurer. You don't have a treasurer when you have $5.30. The Bible says that there were rich women that followed him around and provided for all of his monetary needs. Talk about scandal. It is true that Jesus modeled an existence where he in and of itself, was not excessive he had very small amount of possessions that he had himself but you got to understand the bible look with me in second corinthians chapter 8 this is the this is where we get this for you know the grace of our lord jesus that though he was rich now this word is not spiritual riches what this means is that he had all of heaven at his disposal while he was here on earth though he was rich Yet for, his, for your sakes, for me and for you, he became poor that, through, uh, that you, through his poverty, that we might be rich. You could take this another way. Jesus died so you and I could live. We're all happy with that. Thank God that I don't have to be nailed to a cross to pay for my own sins. That he took care of that. This is in line with everything else that he did He died on a cross And he paid the price for our sins So that we don't have to He bore the stripes on his back By his back Or by his stripes we are healed He did it so we wouldn't have to And right here Was that he was poor Why Jesus So we would not have to be and we're not saying that he was poor as as he as we discovered he wasn't poor in earth standards he had everything that he needed at his disposal but he was rich in heaven he came here he downgraded to our standards and he gave up his deity and his riches in heaven and he became poor by heaven standards why cuz we we see no evidence that he was poor by earth standards we see the opposite but he was poor by heaven's standards so that we would not have to be. We struggle with the thought that he became poor and the reason was that so that we could be rich, abundantly supro- supplied for, with material possessions is what that actually means. So we've got to step under, up into the promise of who he is so that we can have an answer in the world that we live. And look, it doesn't matter where you're sitting today financially. This is the same for all of us. All of our hearts need to know that we don't have to stay where we're at. That we all want to leave this room with this thought is that I was created to be fruitful. I was created to multiply. And I was created to have dominion. Why? So that we could be a blessing to other people. That's why it's imperative. I want you to be here for the next few weeks and just let the spirit of this just get down on the inside of you. So I got to ask this question. For those of you that have not had enough money, what would it be like to have all sufficiency as the Bible puts it so that you wouldn't have to worry? I think that's God's plan for your life. Now, for those of you that have enough, what would it be like if he gave you opportunity to have more than enough? so that you can continue to be generous and help other people on a whole nother level that you could make a difference in the lives of people would not that be amazing that's an amazing feeling when you can do that and the reason it's an amazing feeling is because that's how God made us why he put us on this earth to reach out and help other people not just to fight and scratch for survival this whole thing is about we're supposed to live beyond just surviving and for those of you that have more than enough, I want to encourage you, as Paul encourages Timothy to talk to the people in his congregation that had more than enough. Look, don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of your riches or your more than enough, but do good with what God gave you. That's what God wants for every one of us. God wants for us to have all sufficiency so that we can do the works that he's got for us. It's all about so that we can. So that we can become who he has called us to be, not worrying about the things of this world, not being distracted. He wants us focused on him, his kingdom, and what he has called us to do. I can only imagine, could you imagine if the whole church, our whole church was in this situation? What would it be like we just called the mayor and said, hey we got lots of money so what do you need to do? How can we help? I'm going to close with this, watch this, this is interesting, Proverbs 11 says when it goes well with the righteous when it goes well with us the city rejoices it changes the atmosphere of the town that you're in and then in verse 11 it says by the blessing of the upright it's talking about those of us that are following Jesus the city is exalted it's elevated when we understand that God wants us to live a blessed life so that we can bless others the city is exalted this is outreach this word blessing in the original Hebrew, it means by the prosperity, oh bad word Bible you can't use that word, by the liberal, the liberal pool of the righteousness. That's what that means, that we could be the answer to our city's problems. See this is why we give you opportunities to be generous to your community. This is why the Raleigh Dream Center is our outreach partner they have a food bank in their building and they feed thousands and thousands of people every month and because of your generosity toward the grace fund that's why this holiday season through your generosity we've already provided hundreds of meals and in addition to that 200 meals that we've already budgeted you guys have already bought another 83 meals and you continue to give you guys have been incredibly generous and so you might say okay Micah, I'm in. Some of you Say, hey, I want, I want to get to the next level of what God has for me. I want, to, I want to not only survive, I want to have more than enough. For some of you are saying, hey, I've got just enough, and I want to move to where I have more than enough so that I can be the hands and feet of Jesus to my community and to my world. Others of you are saying, I don't even have enough right now to pay, to pay my bills. But for all those situations, the, questions, the question is how do we go from where we are to where we want to be how do we take the step into the next level of not just having survival but going beyond survival so that we could be a blessing to other people for the answer to that question you're going to have to come back every week during this series beyond survival would you stand with me